Hey guys, I'm Pete. And I'm Alex. And you're listening to the Kick Push Pivot Podcast. I'm a former Fortune 500 consultant dedicated to the idea of innovation and growth. And I used to manage marketing tours for the Rolling Stones, focused on creating one-of-a-kind customer experiences. On this podcast, we interview people faced with the decision to kickstart innovation, push through doubt, or pivot to something new. We hope you find something inspiring or encouraging as you listen. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Kick, Push, Pivot. We have a guest today from San Diego that I look forward to introducing. But before we get started, let's say hello to Alex, my co-host. Alex, what's going on? How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Kick, Push, Pivot. Happy to be here. Excited for this one. Yeah, it's going to be good. And we have a special guest here today, Michael from The Wondrous. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. You got it. So um, we've uh, met a couple times um, with your team, and this is, a, this is a podcast I've been looking to forward to for quite a while because we'll be tackling some topics that are very near and dear, I think, to any business owner's heart, which is the people, growth, and process. But before we dive into that, can you give us a little bit of your background, kind of where you grew up, uh, where you're based, what your business, The Wondrous, does? Because it's kind of a very uh, creative name. People may, may pick up what you do from that. And then let's dive into your story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, thanks for thanks for having us. Um, so, so I'll start with the business, and then I'll, I'll maybe work my way back to you know a little bit about me. So, Wondrous Agency is a full service marketing agency uh, for dentists. That's all we do. We work with dentists around the country, and uh, we're coming up on our ten year anniversary. I can't even believe it. Uh, it, it you know, really because it it uh, started with uh, my wife Laura and I uh, at a kitchen table with a hundred dollar bill, and. Um, you know, like a lot of businesses, we really were born out of the need of just a few dentists. And so Laura had a friend who graduated dental school, really uh, savvy guy and opened his first practice in Albuquerque. And, and six months in, you know, he had one company doing a website for him, another company doing direct mail, a third company doing his digital ads, a fourth company doing reputation management. He called Laura up and was like, hey, listen, you know, I can't get one hand to talk to the other. I'm cutting checks to everybody and I have no idea what's working. Can you help me out? And she has her background in, in you know, big agency marketing. She's bought every market in the country. And so she stepped in and, and really was able to kind of apply two, two major principles that have lived on with us since then. The first one is you've got to track results. And, and you know, I think a lot of marketing companies do lip service to this, but the reality is if you don't get it back to butts and seats, it's really tough to understand how your marketing is working. What does that mean? That means that every marketing we do has to have a call tracking number. It means we have to be able to see what those leads are doing and what they're asking for and how they impact the business so we can decide whether those channels are good or not. Because I'll tell you right now, one of the biggest mistakes dentists make is they they just leave a marketing channel open and they say, I feel like it's working. I like that rep. Whenever they call me or stop by the office, things seem like they're going well. If you're not measuring it to actually find out what the ROI is, you're, you're leaving marketing dollars on the table. The second thing, and this has really been our MO as a company, is we identified early on that the dental marketing space was really defined by stock images. It was a lot of old school companies that came out of the direct mail space. They were just transitioning from placing yellow pages ads. And all that content that they were generating was stock content, stock images of grandma and grandpa sitting in a field, 
You know, it, it's, it's like a Cialis commercial. It's cheesy, right? And so we've really leaned into authenticity and saying, listen, most of the dentists we work with have beautiful offices, amazing teams, cool technology, and they're changing lives. Let's show that off. Let's not hide behind stock images. That's the craziest thing. We work with a lot of scratch practices. People spend hundreds of thousands of dollars building their practice. And then when you get that opportunity to show it off to the world, you put you put a Cialis ad up, it's, it's crazy, right? So like, <laughs> why are we doing that? So th- those two things in combination have really been the backbone on, on how we've grown. And today we build websites, we design you know anything with ink on it. We love helping practices come up with their brand and build a logo. But then we also help people get butts in seats through digital ads, Google ads, SEO, social media advertising, and also traditional advertising. It's not enough to just be on the computers. A lot of our customers are still offline and we need to have strategies to do all that. So, so that's a bit about Wondrous Agency. We're you know, over 50 awesome marketing professionals in office in San Diego. You know, We're not freelancing stuff out here and there. We have the best dental marketing team in the country. Check us out on Instagram or our website if you don't believe me. It's, it's a really fun group of people. Um, and, um, and, you know, I think that, you know, we're going to talk about this, I hope a little bit today, but people have really become the backbone of what makes us different and, and why we succeed. And it's been a really fun thing to, to watch. So, um, but yeah, that's a bit about the, about the business. Wow. I love the enthusiasm coming through and let's be honest, being in San Diego, not a hard place to live. So it's probably easy to recruit people to, to, <laughs> hey, to your little office there. We're blessed to live in a really beautiful place. And, and yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing the, the people that move here and the reasons why they move here. I think one of the big values that we have is live life with purpose. And we have a lot of purpose-driven people here that really value doing stuff outside of work, which is just as important as what we do in work. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I what like part that. of San Diego are you guys in? Yeah. So for those of you that have uh, been lucky enough to come to San Diego, we're right by the airport. There's this little area called Point Loma, uh, beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, beautiful drive. Um, and, uh, and in Point Loma, there's a old um, military uh, base called Liberty Station. And so it's been repurposed. And, uh, you know, there's uh, all sorts of fun shopping and restaurants and we're, we sit just outside of that. So it's a great spot for our team little mini golf course and, you know, par three golf that you can sneak into before work if, if you like swinging the sticks. So a lot of, a lot of fun stuff for us to do uh, around the office. Very cool. Point Loma, that's where the college is, right? There's a little, yeah. little Christian school yeah, or something. Point Loma Catholic. Nazarene, I believe is, yep. Just, just uh, up into the finger of Point Loma. Okay. Oh, Very nice. A big yeah, San Diego actually, guy myself. I like uh, Pacific Beach. I don't know if you've ever been to Bubs. That's one of my favorite chicken wing spots, but uh, big San Diego guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's, there's so many fun neighborhoods to explore here, for sure. Yeah. So did you always grow up in San Diego, Michael? Is that where your kind of roots are? No, I didn't. So I'm I'm from the Midwest originally, from, from Wisconsin. And, you know, it's interesting because my wife, Laura, uh, is also from Wisconsin. We didn't grow up knowing each other. And, um, you know, it, it, again... It, if you look at our team, there's a lot of Midwesterners. And, and I think that's something that, you know, we found is Midwesterners seem to find each other. I don't know if it's because, you know, we're saying, oh, when we bump into each other or, you know, uh, <laughs> being apologetic with our suggestions and saying or no to give people an easy out. But, uh, but yeah, you know, the, the Midwest has been home for me. I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and, um, you know, it's uh, it's been amazing to be on the West Coast, but I, I still feel like most of my roots are, are back in the Midwest. I like it. I like it. 
And how did you make your way to San Diego? And how did you get into dental marketing? Yeah, I, I followed a woman. My, my you okay. know, my, my wife Lauren, and partner. Oh All man, and, and, and that's a story for a beer. She's much better at telling it than I am. But you know, we we met uh, at kind of a crazy time in both of our lives, and just had this instant connection. I kid you not. I'm at a restaurant. She walks in, red dress across the room. It was one of those moments where everything oh, just yeah. you know, Magic. yeah, you you, you you had that you had that feeling and. And we really have been together uh, almost since that first moment and just, you know, some amazing connections in our life. You know, I'm adopted, Laura's adopted, uh, are both really blessed to have these amazing blended big families. And and so, you know, I really got to know her through her uh, birth family, her birth father uh, initially, and, and then obviously got to know her, her parents were amazing. And then, um, uh, you know, th- that sort of big family and sort of our unique position being adopted and navigating that was one of the first things we connected on. And then from there, uh, just kind of went on this crazy journey together at a really early point in our relationship where she's like, Hey, I have two clients that are dentists and they, you know, this marketing thing is, is kind of like a problem. And we sat down and said, what can we do with it? And, and it just took off from there. And it was a lot of nights grinding on, on, you know, a uh, couch until two in the morning, just hammering stuff out. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know then if we, had known what it was going to become if we would have believed it for sure. Wow. That's amazing. It's a real, the true startup story with a little bit of like fairy dust sprinkled in there on the relationship. Yeah. The only, only thing we're missing is a garage because it's California. You know, <laughs> we don't have it. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. You we'll leave it to Steve Jobs. He kind of mapped out the garage there you go. pretty well. So yeah. all good. So do you guys both have marketing backgrounds? Did you guys both go to school for that? Laura does. Yeah. Laura's one of those people she's known what she wanted to be since she was, uh, you know, since she was young, um, you know, picked a great college that, that had a, she went to FSU, great marketing program at the time, uh, came out, worked for some of the top marketing agencies, you know, was in San Francisco, worked on massive brands, Sony, Ashley Holmes, Microsoft. Um, and this is definitely the difference between us. You know, I, I always joke, I'm a recovering English major. I rolled into college and rolled out. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, you know, worked for, uh, uh, Johnson and Johnson, uh, you know, going into the OR, uh, for hip and knee surgery and, uh, then worked for a biomedical science department at Marquette university and really kind of found my passion when I discovered the startup world, the tech startup scene. And so I, I, you know, was lucky enough to work for a skunk works division at a fortune 500 health insurance company. And our job was to basically data mine by creating startups that would attract certain patient populations. And that was a super cool job. Loved it. Uh, my second favorite job ever and uh, gave me a lot of the skills that I have today. That's really where I started to understand the world of digital marketing specifically right. and um, and uh, created a lot of the backbone for Laura and I and our different strengths. She really owns that traditional marketing space and messaging. My strength is more in the digital side and and uh, and some of the business building. And and so we've just been a fantastic team ever since that, that kind of first meeting. Mm-hmm. And was it just opportunity that brought you into specializing in dental or was there a certain passion there or? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think, um, I think at least for me at that point in my life, I was so, when you're in the tech startup space, you know, there's this sort of lean startup methodology. And one of the things that, you know, gets hammered into your head is to, to find silos and niches and really own them. Right. I mm-hmm. think, uh, it's really difficult to build a business for everyone. Uh, if you, sure. you need to define specific problems. And so I think Laura really, really defined that um, 
And, and as we started talking, I was just super impressed that she had uncovered this industry that was super underserved. And I would say 10 years later, dentistry is still underserved. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. if you look at the marketing landscape, there's a lot of marketing and there's a lot of people that just put you in a box and walk away. And, And so um, I think that we saw the opportunity that was there. We saw that the dentistry was underserved and, and really deserved a better uh, product. And, and, you know, I, I'd like to think that we've come closer and closer to delivering that for our dentists. <clears throat> I love that. And as you guys uh, bootstrapped up, have you guys, um, you've grown a lot, right? 50 people in a marketing firm is kind of really rare, especially if it's all, you know, employees, not freelance. It's very unusual to find a group like you guys. Um, how did you guys grow? Was it just doing a great job for clients, word of mouth? Was it, um, did you have some investor money? What was your story for growth? Yeah, we, we bootstrapped the, the whole way. And, and, um, you know, I think when it comes to the phases of growth that we've had, it's, it's changed, right? I remember those first few clients we got, we, you know, uh, mined an email list, uh, scraped an email list off off the internet, and you know Laura would be traveling somewhere just to visit a friend, and we'd email like you know 150 dentists in Charlotte, and two people would respond, and and you know we were like, hey, can we buy you coffee? And and I, I still remember when we we got one of our first clients, you know, that we didn't know, and uh, we went out to dinner, probably spent all the money that you know we had in the bank account at that point, which was nothing to to celebrate, <laughs> and. And so, you know, the first couple of clients, when nobody knows about you, it's really difficult. And, and at that point, like we didn't understand the dental landscape um, at all. Uh, and, and so we really had to build a reputation. And I think the reputation that we really tried to carve out for ourselves was one founded on service. I know today, one of my biggest pet peeves, if I'm going to work with a company, if I go to their website and they don't have a phone number where I can talk to a human being on it, I, I, I go nuts. I hate it. And so we really used that idea to move the company forward and said, listen, we may not be a perfect company. We may make mistakes, but we're always going to be human first. And I think that has really been something that quickly cemented our reputation. And as we've grown, you know, today we're lucky to have really found a home in the dental industry. A lot of, you know, our personal friends are now colleagues in the dental space. And, um, and, you know, I like to joke that dentistry is the, you know, the largest cottage industry that you've never heard of. It's, it's huge. People have no idea from outside, but it's, it's huge. It's amazing. And so today, you know, a lot of our growth has been founded around fantastic partnerships, people that say, listen, we have dental clients that we serve hard and we want to know that partners that we work with are going to do the same thing. And, and oftentimes I hate to say it's hard to find those partners. And so we've really worked to cultivate and maintain those relationships and, uh, you know, it's a lot easier than having to go door to door and pick up the phone. And, and, you know, we we do no outbound sales, no outbound calls. We just, you know, um, make sure that our reputation speaks for itself and people come to us wanting to work with us, which it's a a way easier discovery call to have, you know? Oh yeah. That's a great place to be. (laughs) For sure. That's amazing. So as you've navigated this whole space, um, one of the questions we like to ask folks is, you know, when was the moment you knew you needed to change? I mean, we, we talked a little bit about this in our you know, conversations earlier about what you like to focus on as a business internally. Can you share a little bit more about that, about people and process and culture? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of almost like to think of it as maybe two, two major inflection points in our company. Um, and, and there's so many, honestly, like it, every day, every week, change is a part of what we do. And, and I think it's one of the things that we're best at. We embrace it. Um, 
and it can be hard. I think a lot of when we when we hire new people, I, one of the conversations we always have is we say, "Listen, you know, at first it can sound good to have a conversation about giving a team member a sandbox and saying, "Listen, your ideas will be listened to," and you know, we really embrace growth through change. But the reality of that is, it's exhausting, right? It is, and and you need to acknowledge that up front. And so we we have a culture that is really founded around embracing embracing that. But I go back to one of the earliest inflection points, and it's when we were probably a 10-person team or less. Um, we had uh, two people put their notice in within a 30-day span. And when you're a 10-person team, that's 20% of your workforce that's gone. Sure. Mm, it was yeah. devastating. Um, you know, I think Laura and I were both very different leaders at that point and more reactionary, more emotional. And our culture was not good. I don't think people were happy. We weren't happy. And... You know, if there was a breaking point in the company, that would have been it. And, and you know, I got to give other people on the team credit. It, it, it was as simple as one of our team members had, you know, his his fiance uh, was at uh, th- their company was doing like a luau. And he was kind of joking with her. And he's like, well, we're going to do our own luau. And I think we spent, you know, 50 bucks and got, you know, probably some Malibu and a, you know, a few things from the party supply store. And, and it just was one of those mo- breakthrough moments where as a company, we, we took some time to enjoy each other. And um, it was really eye-opening. And, and so from that point on, culture became one of the, the hallmarks of what we've invested in. And, and the interesting transition there is I think as a young company, it's easy to look at happy hours as culture. Like that's what culture building is. We all go out and have a drink together. And today we've really evolved that to a programmatic system. We have pillars, health and wellness, personal and professional development, uh, philanthropic, and then our our fun pillar. We do still go out and do happy hours, but recognizing that you know, culture is not founded around just going out and having a drink once in a while. It's it's something you have to work at, and you have to really create space for on the team, and uh, and that has just carried us forward. And now today, you know, over the last couple of years, we've won. You know, we've been recognized as one of San Diego's best places to work. You know, two times, which is fantastic. Um, and, um, and the thing that I'm most proud of is that culture of trust. Like that's the thing at the end of the day, you know, you can have the ping pong table, you can have the kombucha on tap, whatever it is. You need to have a culture where people feel like they can come forward with a concern. They can be listened to. And, uh, and that's something that, you know, anyone who spent any time in this company walks away and says, this company feels different. And so, you know, I think recognizing when your culture is not in the right place and then really being open to radical change to, create a culture that's going to help you grow is incredibly important. And it was one of the sink or swim moments for us. Wow. I do like some good kombucha though. I will tell you what. <laughs> that's right. And that's got not some kombucha thing. on tap. That's a good place to work. No, not Come bad, on down not and, and, and tell us what your favorite flavor is. Hmm. Yeah. Well, usually um, a watermelon guy. Uh, I, I, say, know, I knew it. I, I think that was last month. So we're, we're one month off here for you. Okay. Okay. Well, I've heard that you guys do some really cool, innovative stuff as far as like um, within your employees, you guys have some kind of a point system or something like that where you guys, uh, you rack up certain amount of points for when, when people do something good and like other employees can send points to other ones and, and then you can use those points to get swag and stuff like that. Yeah. So we, you know, one of the things that we were able to do, um, really it happened right before the pandemic. And it, it's just one of the great success stories that, that will go untold is we hired uh, a woman on our team, Sarah, who is our office and culture manager. And so you think about this, you know, we're not a huge company, we're not Google. And 
we've been able to invest in having someone's full-time job be cultivating a culture that people like to work in. And one of those things that she was able to do was really spearhead a badge program. And, and you know, it kind of almost was inspired by, um, you know, like the, the Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, you know, you get these different badges for doing different merit badges and just finding a way to recognize people. And so each pillar uh, has the ability to hand out, you know, points towards badges. And so, you know, like we'll have challenges, you know, be active, you know, this week, here are the three ways you can be active, take a walk, eat something healthy, or, you know, meditate and take a picture of yourself and put it in our, our, you know, chat channels. And, and our team thrives on that, especially as, you know, the world has moved more remote. Uh, one of our challenges was how do you keep this culture that really has defined us, has made us a great place to work? How do you keep it going? And, and so that was something that we had to get really creative on. And gosh, you know, I, so much recognition goes to, to Sarah and other people on the team. We have people that volunteer in addition to the jobs they have, they volunteer to lead these pillars. And there's just so much creativity that I've seen. Uh, we're happy to be able to start doing stuff back in person again. But, you know, we've successfully for the last year and a half had, you know, I, I, there's a number somewhere. It's like over 150 events in the last, you know, year and a half to two years that were remote and they were quality. It was just awesome. Wow. Wow. That's a big investment uh, in culture. How have you seen that translate into business outcomes? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think that um, I'm a big believer that sometimes you need to do things that don't scale to grow. And culture is one of those things. If you look at it on a spreadsheet, there, you know, there's a bunch of line items on our PL that we could just take away tomorrow and we'd be a more profitable company. But I think about the biggest obstacles to our growth. And again, it comes back to people, right? If, if we have people that are unhappy, unmotivated, not mission first, not, um, you know, always looking for a new job, that's the thing that's, that stops your growth real fast because your, your quality of service goes down your team gets stressed out, right? I go back to those that those 10 people, right? You lose two people, the whole team is unhappy. Everybody's unhappy. Everybody has more work. And so for me, you know, in, a, in many ways, I think we should acknowledge that having a good culture is selfish. It's selfish because we want people to stay with us longer. We want a stable company. And so I think that ultimately having that investment in culture creates a stable platform for growth. And, um, and at the end of the day, you know, I've always said this, and I think a lot of people do, we all go to work and I think we all want to enjoy the places that we work in. And so, you know, that's, that's oftentimes just a good enough reason too. I like it. I like it. So, you know, one of the questions we also asked too is, you know, what was there a moment in your business where things needed to change? You mentioned inflection points. And I think you hit on that, that critical moment. You had 10 people, then you had eight people, what was going to happen? Was there anything else that helped kind of skyrocket you to that 50 person firm you are today? Yeah. You know, I think the other thing that really um, has been crucial in our growth, you know, you, you see all these chapters and you see them in reverse. It's tough to see them when they're happening, but you know, the, the difference between a 10 person company, a 20 person company and a 50 person company is substantial. And, you know, a 10 person company is a bunch of individuals, a 20 person company, you begin flirting with the idea of leadership, but it's still very undefined. And a 50 person company, you need to have structure and process. And so I think we've gone through this journey of hustle to 
process. And it's really been one that's been fantastic to watch. Um, and so to me, that's really the biggest thing that we've had to change to, to kind of get to that next level. Because when you're 10 people or 20 people, it's easy to say, work harder, try harder. Let me, let me teach you this a little louder, maybe, and that will help. And I, I'll tell you, for me, that's when I've been at my worst as a leader, uh, when I, I hope that I can say something louder and hope people hear me. And um, finally, I think I, you know, I realized and, and our leaders have embraced this as well fully that we need to create habit through process. And so that's been the journey we've been on for the last two years. And you know, embracing things like a CRM that allow for automation is crucial. And that's been something that we've invested a lot of time and energy in. No client will ever see that or appreciate it. But if you want to take your team members and remove the busy work from their schedule, create consistency of delivery and maximize their time for high level thinking and strategy, you need to embrace things like CRMs that you can then automate the busy work from to let them focus on the things that matter. Hmm. I like that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, process is kind of one of my favorite words that people sometimes view as a is a dirty word, but I do think it's critical for any growth because creativity and heart only can take you so far. And it really becomes pattern and automation and standardization that get people aligned and make, make clients have a consistent experience. I think that's, that's key. I, I agree. And I remember this is such a, such a weird tangent, but I remember being in college and there was a political science class I took and, and we were reading, I think it was Mills and Mills is this, you know, theorist and, and he, he makes this point about democratic systems and he says, you know, to, to basically live in a free society, you need to give up your rights, right? And you think about that. We, we like to always champion this idea of like, oh, the, the land of the free, but yet we have to drive the speed limit and we, you know, build our houses and the property that, you know, we all agree to and we, you know, we wear our seatbelts, we do all these things. We give up a lot of rights to live more freely. And I think that you know, we experience that truth every day without really appreciating it. And in business, I think that applies just as much. I think about the creative process. I think about designers. If you give a designer a blank canvas and say, go, oftentimes the result is not nearly as good as if you say, the canvas is this big and these are the four colors that you paint with. And here's the subject that I want you to paint. You provide those restrictions to them and ultimately the, the net result is something that is greater than if there was full freedom. Hmm. I, like I like that. that. Hey, Pete, one thing we have not heard today is a good dad joke. Oh, boy. So just so you know, from a branding perspective, um, Michael, you'll appreciate this. I have a very high tolerance for data and analytics. So dad jokes are my way of humanizing my, my interaction with people from time to time. So I'm just going to cut you in on a good one and then we'll move in and I'll spare you and we'll uh, pull out some nuggets of truth that you can give <laughs> to the audience uh, to wrap up our episode. But, you know, <clears throat> I heard that most marketers don't like the trampoline. Did you hear why? You got me on this one. Well, it increases their bounce rate. Boom. Oh my gosh. All right. Yes. Now, we're, we're working that into the pitch. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Knew we were going to have one at some point there, today. There's, but, there's um, gold. There's gold. Uh, <laughs> well, great. Speaking of gold, you know, 
as we wrap up today's uh, podcast, this has been super fun, by the way, and I can't wait to meet your wife one day soon. She sounds amazing. Um, is can you impart to other people in the audience who are listening today, maybe people that want to start their own creative agency, or maybe even just clients, you know, people in the dental space, can you impart some wisdom for them based on your experience today that they can take home and kind of use to take themselves to the next level? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go back to sort of one of the, the, the unanswerable questions that we all get asked in business, which, you know, routinely is what makes you different. And, and, and we ask our clients to answer that, you know, if, if you're a dentist, you need to know what makes you different if you're going to stand out in the marketing space. And, and if you, you know, own a marketing agency, you need to know why you're different than the other marketing agency that, you know, a potential client's talking to. And, you know, I think what I've learned year after year is that it's tempting to try to tell people about how smart you are, how this one product feature is slightly better than someone else's product feature, right? You think about Canon and Nikon, like, well, our, you know, our ISO is just a little better. Our lens is a little cleaner. It's like, it, there's, you know, they're almost the same, but there's a feature that's slightly different. And I think the biggest predictor of success at the end of the day is grit. And it's, it's Laura, Laura and I talk about this all the time. I think one of the reasons we succeed is that we are incredibly good at taking punches. You, you, you really, um, and I, I, I hope this is encouraging to anyone that's in the process of growing. It does not get easier. It, you know, you, you're, you're going to be disappointed over and over. You're going to have a team member leave you at the worst time. We always joke about this. If Laura and I have a, a, a vacation, we're going to go on, you know, if, if we have a kid that's about to be born, you know, like our wedding is coming up someone's going to put their notice in at the worst possible time. Some client's going to call you and tell you how disappointed they are at the worst possible time. Expect it. It's on schedule. It's planned. And so for me, if, if, if you want to build a skill that's going to predict success, build a thick skin, absorb body blows, keep getting up and keep moving. And, you know, I think we all hear that anecdotally, but it's really hard to do. And at a certain point, you need to stand up and look behind you and look at all of those body blows you've absorbed and say, oh, wow, look at me. Look at how far we've come and use that energy to keep moving forward. But honestly, that is, you know, it's, it's, it's been the thing that's really helped get us to where we are today. Hmm. Well, amazing. I love that. <clears throat> I love that. There's actually a whole book about that called Grit for those of you out there that haven't read it. It's pretty good. You also have a grit assessment, which I'm not sure if you've done, taken that before with your team, but. Anyway. Off the charts, I'm sure. Off the charts. You <laughs> haven't done it, but, but now, now I'm curious. <laughs> well, great. Well, as always, Michael, great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for carving out time. And I'll turn over to my colleague, Alex, to close us out. Yeah, Michael, if uh, anyone listening here wants to find you, where can they do that? Yeah, so I'd encourage people to go on our website, uh, wonderstagency.com. You're able to, you know, check us out. If you want to schedule time to talk to our team, there's a calendar there. If you want to reach out to me personally, you can email me at michael.anderson at wonderistagency.com. That's W-O-N-D-E-R-I-S-T agency.com. Awesome. Well, Michael, thanks again for being on the show. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, for sure. And thanks to all the listeners out there. I really appreciate appreciate you guys. Uh, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. 
Be sure to follow us on Facebook at KPP Podcast. If you'd like to be on the show or know someone who would make a great guest, feel free to reach out. Hope to see you next time.